confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Press Row. Jonas Siegel here in a sunny and hot, supposed to hit the high 80s, which I believe is somewhere in the 20s. Don't remember my Celsius. I can do the calculation, but don't want to waste total dead air time. In sunny Seattle, uh, Thursday here. Hope all is well wherever you are listening and whenever you are listening. I'm going to take a bit of a different tack today. Still in the in the sports, certainly in the media side, but one of the things that has, uh, has always been near and dear to me since I've covered this is the importance of the industry and those who work in it and around it. Uh, we've covered, unfortunately, lots of changes, um, people being brought in to do things, people being brought out to do, brought, taken out of things to do, I should say. And recently, pre-corona, uh, sports media has just been decimated by layoffs. and. Um, with Corona going on, one of the things that I found really, really important to me was this notion of people affected by the shutdown of sport that we don't always necessarily think about. And I took to Twitter, as I always do, and, and asked for people who are, who are affected that we don't always think about. And there's a ton of technical work that goes in, and I don't necessarily mean IT work when I say that, but a ton of technical, you know, not necessarily in front of the mic, in front of the camera, but necessarily behind the camera, behind the screens that go on. And uh, very pleased to be joined today by John Horn. John, from his website, um, is a veteran in the sports broadcasting and sports production industries, specializing in, in TV, radio, uh, multi-talented media professional working in Canada, U.S. and across the world. Uh, he does some, a lot of tennis work. Uh, some basketball, some baseball, yes, even a little bit of hockey. John, we're really glad to have you with us, kind of answer some of the questions that some people may have from time to time in the wide world of what really goes on in a broadcast uh, of sports. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's, uh, listen, it's a challenging time, and you were one of the people that reached out when I asked people to do so with regards to what's going on in your world today. In, in a typical month, you know, when pre-corona, if sports is going on, like right now, we'd be NHL, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, uh, tennis would be in, in full swing, pardon the pun. Uh, the only thing that really wouldn't be going on right now is, is NFL football, but there'd be some probably off-season camps and, and, and rookie training camps. You know, I would imagine like at this time of year, your family's probably not seeing a whole bunch of you. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's certainly a strange time. Uh, it's certainly a strange year uh, from the time uh, sports really got shut down to now. Uh, it's it's just been weird. Um, I, I, I like the fact that there's actually some sport now to watch. You, know, you can watch a little bit of golf. Uh, the Tiger-Mickelson uh, match play was entertaining, uh, especially in the rain. You've seen some NASCAR, seen a few other things pop up. Uh, so it sounds like some sports are starting to, to ramp up, but it's certainly... Uh, a strange time for me, you know, this is usually, I mean, I work on a lot of tennis events throughout the year and this is usually a time of year where I'd be at the French open. I was actually just looking at pictures the other day and uh, right now would be the first week of the French open. So it's very strange, not, not being over there, uh, being involved, not seeing tennis. Uh, for me, uh, this all started at Indian Wells was my, I had some time off and then I came back. My first tournament back was going to be Indian Wells and uh, the night before we were flying out the next morning, uh, we found out that uh, the tournament was going to be shut down and there was going to be no tournament. So we decided to head out that way, uh, myself and my kids, and we were going to spend some time there anyway. And we figured, well, the flight's booked. We may as well go. <laughs> we may as well go. And, uh, and then, you know, we were hanging out and everything was good. Weather was okay. And um, then suddenly basketball decided to shut down. And then Trump came out and started talking about border shutdowns and there was a lot of concern about that. And so we decided, you know, we better get back soon. And uh, so we drove back down to LA and flew back and we weren't the only ones who were thinking the same thing. Spoke to a number of people at the airport, just, it was a very sense of nervousness at that point. Cause it was very early on in the whole situation. Nobody really knew how bad things were going to get or what was going to happen. So a lot of Canadians in Los Angeles uh, in the outskirts in California, just wanting to get back. So we got back and uh, ever since then, it's just been, you know, shut down for the most part. Uh, we, we, we've been home and we haven't been going out much and um, starting to go out a little bit more, but getting some exercise and that sort of thing. But the kids are doing school from home and um, it's, it's certainly a weird time. And for me at this time of year, it's busy. It's the height of the tennis season, uh, the clay court season. Uh, I would have done uh, a tournament before the French Open then the French Open uh, then I would have been back for a week and then back over to Europe for the grass court season. So, um, you know, without NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, obviously the Raptors this time last year, the big run they had. I remember I was in Europe when the Raptors were winning the, the, winning the championship. Um, it, it's, it's very strange and it's, it, it's unfortunate, but uh, let's just hope at some point in time in the next little bit, things do start getting back to some normalcy and we will start seeing some sports and it sounds like you know hockey is is on the way back maybe basketball uh, premiership got announced that they're coming back in uh, in england which i think is a big thing for them so let's just hope that uh, things do get back to normal and we don't have any second wave coming anytime soon if at all it's interesting because i think almost without exception um on the broadcast side the networks have, have been pretty good and they're getting pretty good press for taking care of their people. What most people don't understand is the number of people who have that, what used to be a very favorable word in front of their title, which was freelancer, uh, which is a great way for folks to get work, not to necessarily be tied to one network or the other. For example, for Canadians, if they looked at your website aroundthehornmedia.com, they would see that um, you've got re references and commentary from folks from both Rogers and TSN. So you can do work on both networks, whereas others uh, may not be so fortunate if they're full-time employees of the other. 
The downside is right now during the you know unforeseen, unpredictable shutdown, freelancers, the emphasis becomes on the word free and you're no longer working. Um, there are a lot of you who I've heard from, um, you know, that, that kind of tertiary downfall, if you will, from sports stopping the people that not a lot of people always first consider. You've got, you know, coaches, you've got general managers, you've got the office people, you've got the ticket takers, you've got the ushers, and then you have the other people who are always, you know, as I said, when we cover what we cover here at torontosportsmedia.com, we always talk about changes to talent. Uh, it's very rare that people like you have a face or a voice. Um, so it, it, it's saddening and, and disheartening to hear. And I get it. Um, but it's challenging. And, and, our hearts, and our hearts go out to all of you because you guys want to work. Uh, you'd rather be, and gals, you folks would rather be toiling away somewhere in a truck or behind the scenes or chasing down a story. Um, so we feel for you. So, you know, the purpose today, from my perspective was, was to give you and, and, and your brothers and sisters a bit of a voice and uh, let you know that we are thinking of you. But I'm curious, you know, you've done it all. Like, uh, you know, you, you've hosted some radio, um, you're the voice of tennis to some degree. Like what, what does a, a typical work week look like or what is your typical resume? Look like? What are you usually doing and what do you love doing? Well, I mean, I, one of the things that I think has kept me in the business for so long, um, I think like everybody else, when I first started, uh, I was a part-time guy uh, working in Vancouver, got to work for a great show there, uh, and then, you know, built up to a full-time gig. And at that point, you know, there was freelancers were almost non-existent. It was, this would be in the early 2000s where, you know, you were a part-timer or you were a full-timer. And then most people's goal was to get from part-time to full-time. Uh, but over the years, that has evolved from, you know, now really there are more and more freelancers than, and, than there ever was before, just because uh, a lot of companies don't want to pay, uh, you know, as many full-timers. Uh, they don't want to pay benefits and, and that sort of thing. So they hire a lot of freelancers. Usually there's a separate budget in their overall budget for freelancers. So, you know, a lot of people had opportunities to work freelance, especially behind the scenes, because as much as, you know, you see the, the big personalities on, you know, Amer North American television, whether it's Canada or the U.S., you know, when you're locked into ESPN or you're locked into TSN, you can't just suddenly hop in and work for another network. Now, there's a couple of people who do, when you think of the Raptors, you know, the Leo Routens of the world, but they're not really working directly for Sportsnet or directly for TSN. They're working for the Raptors. So that's a little bit different. But for the most part, people work for one or the other, whereas behind the scenes, you have the opportunity. Uh, there's not a lot of people who do it, but there, you have the opportunity to work for both networks behind the scenes. And, and part of the reason why when I was working full time, um, you know, transitioning to freelance, it was almost better for me because it gave me more opportunity. So in a situation, not so much today, but in uh, a few years ago, did I just want to work for TSN or did I want to try and branch out and work for a national network? Did I want to try and make more money working for a bigger network? I, although TSN is a big network and they do great stuff and they pay quite well. Do I want to go and work at ESPN and try and make some more money with, and do work at TSN? So at, at one point I was able to do a bunch of different things for a bunch of different people at once. And I think that that's, 
you know, it's important if you have the opportunity to do that or to be able to do that. Obviously, um, you know, over the years, I've done a bunch of things, as you mentioned, I've commentated, I've produced, I've field produced, uh, I've worked in radio, I've, I've written articles, I've done all kinds of different stuff. So the, the ability for me to be able to go and do different things for different networks has always been something that I've enjoyed the variety, the variety of sports and the variety of working for different companies. Um, so for me, like on a regular week, there were times where I would go down and work at a Blue Jays game for MLB network. And I would be doing post game coverage for the network, doing interviews with players and then doing live hits afterwards. Then the next day I may be working for ESPN uh, as a field producer doing the Raptors playoffs. And then, end of the week, I might be flying to wherever to do a tennis tournament. So um, for me, being a freelancer, if I wasn't freelance, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be probably working on one thing or in the studios working five days a week, you know, doing the same thing. So this, this would allow me to do go and do extra things, which I wanted to do. And that really allowed me to get into tennis because I was doing tennis at TSN. Um, I started doing some commentary on some of the grand slams for them when they decided to uh, have some uh, local tip flavor involved in the Grand Slam matches that were on outside courts where they didn't have commentary. Uh, so I started doing that. And that really sort of springboarded me into doing other tennis commentary. So I don't do on-camera tennis commentary, but I work on the world feed. And you'll hear my voice calling matches at the French Open or the U.S. Open or during you know women's matches at different places in the world. So that really gave me that opportunity. So as a freelancer, it allowed me to do one thing and then springboard into another. So uh, right now, I mean, it's, it's, it's strange now because all these sports are all shut down and tennis being probably my primary sport, or I shouldn't say probably it is. Uh, I think the tennis is probably the furthest from coming back sooner rather than later, just because of how many different players you have in different countries and different restrictions in different countries. Nobody's ever going to be on the same, you know, same wavelength at least until a vaccine is found. So uh, you might be able to do something in Australia, but you can't do it in Japan, but you can do it in North America, but not in Europe. So getting all the players into one central place for a big tournament or a grand slam uh, is going to be extremely difficult. So um, we already know there's no tennis till, till the end of July. So uh, whether or not uh, we start seeing things in August I, and September, U.S. Open and all that, and even the Rogers Cup in Toronto, I would be very surprised. But uh it's certainly uh, certainly not going to be easy for tennis to get back. And I still think there's challenges with the other sports too. I think football or baseball and basketball, I still think there are challenges there too. You said a whole bunch of things that, that got the wheels spinning in my head. So I'm going to try and work <laughs> backwards and see if I can remember. So let's, sure. talk, about, let's talk about tennis specifically first. Um, you watch the, uh, the incredible production that was the Tiger Woods – golf tournament this weekend mm -hmm. and uh it was awesome like it was really great drama great entertainment high um, entertainment value yeah and i and i would say that the least intriguing exciting part of it was tiger the other three were just fantastic um that's Ti that's tiger though right like you don't get a lot out of him he's pretty he's pretty monotone and doesn't yeah dialed in right um it's hard not to see how they, I mean, I don't know if you have the personalities and, and, but tennis you would think would be one that would be easy to replicate that. Take two guys or gals, four maybe, and bring them into a court and have them play. I guess in an empty court. Um, 
I guess the challenge would be the balls and having to constantly handle the balls for tennis. And is that, I mean, in golf, nobody picks up any, well, no one has to pick up anybody else's clubs and or balls where I guess in tennis you would. So it would, to a certain degree, I guess they would have to continually change balls, which would be, I mean, even though they're balls and they're not expensive, you'd be going through hundreds of balls in a single match, I would imagine. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's, it's, there's definitely challenges. I mean, I think, you know, just echoing what you said, I think that, you know, some people thought that golf and tennis would be the first two sports that would come right. back. Now, golf kind of has. Um, but even though, even though you're watching, when you're watching the Tiger Mickelson thing, I don't know if you noticed, but there were moments where, um, you know, I know they were, trying to do the social distancing thing and but there were still moments where tiger was standing right next to phil and and they were fist pumping and they were still grabbing you know one guy grabbed the ball and tossed it to the other guy i still think that there's going to be i don't think there's going to be any perfect way to to do to do this like i think before tennis even starts there's gonna it's gonna be like every other sport that starts there's gonna be stringent testing there's gonna be um you know guys are gonna be checked regularly women are gonna be checked regularly they're going to have the courts are all going to be completely washed down. Everyone's going to be isolated, quarantined. That's the only way they're going to be able to do it. But at some point in time, I think you're going to have to take some sort of a risk where if, if a player has come in and has, you know, has no temperature, has no signs of the virus, has been swabbed the whole thing, and then the other player exactly the same thing, then okay, that means do they have to share the balls and risk something? That I think it's the only way you can do it because you can't have – you know, the theory that's out there as well, you know, every game, then the player serving would have the balls. Well, what happens if, you know, one ball goes to the other side of the court and then the other player has to get the ball back to the other side. He's not going to pick the ball up with his foot and his racket every time and hit it back. It's just a natural instinct to go and grab it. Um, you know, you're supposedly not going to have ball kids. Um, there's going to be very limited. I don't even know if they're going to have lines people. There's going to be, it has to be a chair on there has to be somebody to watch. Um, but I don't know how you can make it perfect and I just think it's going to be so difficult to you know how do you start a sport up and then have it ideally perfect especially at first like obviously over time it'll probably get itself better but how do you how do you make it perfect and I just don't see how you can you know have every time a player serves a new can of balls like you said going through a ton of balls every single match it would be a little bit ridiculous and the time between one player serving and then getting the new balls out the other balls into the old can and um, yeah, I, I just don't see how you could do that. So there, listen, like there's much, this was my thought on tennis, I, you know, just not immediately, but shortly before the shutdown, I was over in Australia on the West side and there's a big tennis tournament there. I can't remember what it's called. Unbeknownst to me, the players were all staying in my hotel. Okay. Um, and then, you know, they go to, they play this tennis tournament and then it moves around Australia to different cities. I'm not, I love watching it, but I'm not an aficionado and I'm certainly not an expert on, on the tournaments. Okay. But it did occur to me that if you could have all the players in the one hotel, mm-hmm. um, there would be a way to do it. And not only that, an empty stadium wouldn't be totally the worst thing for tennis as it is say for other sports. Um, I would think that the powers that be in tennis because you don't have the, the whole union thing and the owner's thing, because it is much more individual, I would think it'd be easier. And certain play, players may say, I'm not playing. You may host 
the tournament, but I'm not coming, and that's right. their choice. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that that's definitely something that players could could handle. Uh, I mean, even if you go to some tournaments now, uh, I mean, I've called matches where there's you know a handful of people watching a match. It could be just because it's two players that aren't as entertaining, right. or um, you know the the weather's not great, or the match. I mean, we've seen matches that end past midnight, and there's still a handful of people just watching just because they don't want to leave and want to get their full value for their ticket right. they bought. Um, but I think, I think you're right. Like in tennis, I think not having crowds, it's not as big of a deal as say watching an NFL game in front of an empty 80,000 seat stadium. Uh, a lot of these players growing up when they were juniors or even playing on the, the lower circuits on the challenger circuits, uh, they're used to playing with very little fans. So I don't think that really, it, it affects the players, so to speak. Um, I, I certainly think that if it's going to start, it's going to start with without crowds. I don't, don't know how they could how they could go with crowds. I just don't see it. Um, but anybody, but anybody trying to find perfection is going to fail. There, there's no such thing. I mean, in theory, you could have one of those, you know, the, those baskets when you take a tennis lesson. You could have a basket on each end full of fresh balls. So that when, when he or she serves, each time they go back, they grab three balls, they put two in their pants, they have one in their hand, they serve the ball. You could actually have a kid out there who does nothing but retrieve. So the kid's got a mask and or gloves on, goes and picks up the balls and throws them in the garbage, so to speak, or runs them away and doesn't return them. Sounds like you put some thought into this. <laughs> if you just well, come just, up with that on the fly, that's pretty good. <laughs> I did, because it just, it just in theory, make like I think there's a way to do it that is actually pretty simple and unobtrusive. Is it perfect? No, like it's never going to be perfect, but I think of all the sports, it's probably the easiest to do it. Like, I don't think there's whatever. Um, I think that if the powers that be wanted to make that happen, there's enough will. And I think the Tiger Woods thing over the weekend uh, probably showed a lot of people the huge appetite there is for it right now. Oh, for sure. And even if yeah. you just had a round robin of 10 players and you didn't invite everybody, uh, I think it'd be phenomenal and, and very well received right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that timing wise, um, just like the other match uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Dustin Johnson one with Ricky Fowler, right. uh, that drew attention too. Because I mean, look, how often do you get to see the players carrying, not only carrying their own bag, but wearing shorts, right. you know, and have mics on. Like those are three right. things that you never, you never get to see. And, and that, that is definitely the appetite. It's not just watching golf. It's, Hey, I can hear what these guys are saying on, uh, I can hear what they're saying to each other. Um, it was funny, you know, when the guys would swear, they would, you know, the mics would be shut down and, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff you just don't, you just don't usually get. So I agree. Like, I think, you know, bringing sports back and adding those little components is, is certainly a, uh, a big thing. But I think the question will be, you know, do you bring tennis back? Do you bring hockey back? Do you bring basketball? How do you, are you just happy to get the sport back and going? Or do you try and add these little components to the sport to make them even better or even get people's attention? Like I'm still, I'm still of the theory that right now, as much as there's an appetite for sports, Sports, obviously people are looking for the release people are looking for something to do but you know this is a little off topic but one of the things that I think that is so important with the pandemic right now um, and hopefully there isn't a second wave but let's just say there is one um, is the fact that you know here we are sitting you know in the end of May going into arguably the summer for most people 
and you're looking outside the window and it's eight o'clock at night and it's still light outside. You're able to go outside and barbecue. You're able to go down to the field and throw the ball. You're able to go for a walk or a bike ride. Fast forward that to September, October. And if there is a second wave in a lot of places in the world, the weather starts getting lousy. It gets cold. People aren't going out. You don't want to be lining up for groceries in minus 10 degree weather. Uh, I think that the fact that we're going into the summer is huge, not only for people mentally, um, but it gives people some sort of sense of like, okay, I can get through this. Even though there's no sports, I can get through this. But if you did the same thing, say in September, October, and you're going into winter, and also you don't have your sports, and it's cold outside, and you can't go and exercise, I think that's going to be extremely taxing mentally. Um, so the one thing I say about bringing sports back now I think it's almost more important to try and get sports back in, you know, the start of the season. Now I know they're talking about pushing the hockey season to December and basketball starting in December, but I think it makes such a difference. Like if, if people said to me right now, sports is off until September, I would accept that knowing that, okay, hopefully or hoping that sports would come back in September, October. So I can be watching sports, even though I'm stuck inside. Short-term pain, long-term gain. Totally. And now you've got options right now. Like as much as I love hockey, as much as I love basketball, as much as I love watching baseball and tennis is obviously my sport. If, if sports don't come back, I at least know that I have other things that I can do. I can go and do stuff. I can. And for the most people, for most part in the summer, I think when the leaves are out in Toronto, a lot of people lose interest, just like in Vancouver, I think people lose interest, but at least that's because it's the summer. Whereas if you're stuck indoors and it's freezing cold, you're going to be more interested in paying attention and watching more TV. So um, as much as I want to see everything back, um, I, I, I would still be okay if they said, okay, look, we're, we're not doing anything till September, but we're going to iron it out so we can get it back and, uh, and make sure that things are, you know, 100%, you know, good for, for September. But you're right. Like there certainly is an appetite for sports. Everybody wants sports back. Um, but I think it's more important in the winter than it is going through the summer. All right, let's take a break for a second. All this talk about sports has probably gotten all sorts of people excited. Yet there's not a whole lot to watch, but that doesn't mean you can't bet on sports right now. Uh, Especially with my friends at betonline.ag. Yes, there's no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball. BetOnline has hundreds, literally hundreds of games and events to wager on. It was fascinating during the Tiger Woods thing where they were flashing on the screen, the different odds for different holes, shots of the match entirely. NASCAR is back, Madden, NBA 2K simulations, UFC, online casino with poker and blackjack. And be sure to check out the final dance with the roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bull, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan documentary. Bull, they're still fun to be had, so please go to betonline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. I will tell you that like one of the most important things right now, especially in these trying and stressful times is sleep. My friends at Sleep Envy offer more than just a mattress. You can customize your mattress by taking a one, one minute quiz. The mattress amazingly ships in a box right to your door. You get to try it for hundred nights, <clears throat> excuse me, in the comfort of your home. Shipping is always free. If you're not satisfied, they pick it up and they refund you. Use the code PRESSROW at checkout to get 25% off. Again, that's PRESSROW, P-R-E-S-S-R-O-W at checkout to get 25% off. 
10% of sales is going to feed the hungry during the coronavirus. Again, go to sleepenvy.com. It's S-L-E-E-P-E-N-V-I-E.com and enter the code PRESSROW at checkout for 25%. Wow, yes, 25%. My Canadian friends, that covers a good chunk of the tax. Um, if always a good time to find jewelry. If you're looking for jewelry, my friends at Vanderhoot Jewelry, that's V-A-N-D-E-R-H-O-U-T jewelry.com. Have the ability to customize your order to what you're looking for. There's a customer service team is happy to help you out with finding the right item. If it's a gift, uh, bad, um, hardest part again is just figuring out the spelling. The jewelry is unbelievable. It's well-priced and it's V A N D E R H O U T jewelry.com. We have a special code. Uh, it's sports 20 S P O R T S 20 and, uh, buy yourself or buy someone special to you a really cool piece for right now. Even with Mother's Day gone, lots of good stuff to buy. Um, so another thing that you brought up, and we'll, we're going to pivot again, but Ted Leonsis, who owns the Washington Capitals, he may own a piece of the basketball. I think he owns the basketball team too now. Um, he does, yeah. Came, you know, he was out in the last couple of weeks basically saying, you know, if we come back without fans, the onus is on us leagues and owners and broadcast partners to do something very different technologically based and focused to improve the game, uh, to make up for the fact that there's nobody in the stands. He didn't really highlight specifics other than to say, if the stadiums are empty, it allows us to do different things with cameras. Um, I think a lot of what you kind of raised is interesting because I think the industry has been ripe for disruption for a long time. I've argued for, for, for many years, especially with baseball. Um, if you don't have a headset on in the stadium and you're not listening to the broadcast, it's, it's sometimes hard to get a feel for actually what is going on. A player is no longer playing. They'll make an announcement, you know, now playing left field blank. Um, you notice that, you know, they've changed pitchers, but you don't get the story. Uh, that in-stadium experience has really, in my opinion, besides the smell, the feel, obviously the ambiance, the in-stadium experience has fallen behind in a world where we can buy, you know, 4K televisions for, I got an ad this morning from Best Buy for $3.99. So that and a really good cable or internet subscription in my home experience, it may not be better, but it could be on par, especially when you take in the, the dollar of the ticket. When you watch the Tiger event, seeing Phil Mickelson coach um, Peyton Manning uh, or Tom Brady on, on how he looks at a green, like that was a masterclass. Yeah. Like that, was, that was awesome. You know, uh, I think Brady hit a shot and Tiger Woods was standing there and he goes, great shot right onto the fairway on number seven, right? Like yeah. that kind of stuff is brilliant and I think it 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 provided insight and an opportunity and a lens on how can we update the business into a modern day using taking down some of the things that we always thought were forbidden or you couldn't do and I think we've been so 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 many times we're focused on things you're not allowed to do because we've never done them before and all of a sudden maybe things are going to be more acceptable what do you think 
Yeah, I mean, I certainly think any opportunity, and I think that this goes for anybody who watches sports, is that they're always looking for something more. It's always what's the next thing that you can do. We saw uh, what Sportsnet did a few years ago with hockey broadcasts as they started using different camera angles. And they tried to, you know, the ref cam was incorporated that, that, you know, lower, lower angle from the lower level cam um, was, was being used as well. And they were trying to do different things to, to make the game more inviting for fans who maybe don't watch as regularly or for the fans who are sitting at home who don't go to games. I, I think any opportunity that sports can give to the viewer that for something that they don't usually see as we saw, like you don't get to see many mic'd up golf matches. Um, you certainly, as you said, in baseball, you, you, when you get the mic'd up stuff, uh, it's always edited and it's always extremely, you know, minutia. Like there's nothing there that's really, wow, that's even if you put it on some of the best players, uh, they know their mic. So they don't say as much as they normally would. Um, I think you, you know, you can try anything to try and make your sport different and better. Uh, one of the things, I'll just use a tennis reference here um, is that they had uh, coaching with headsets at the next generation finals for the younger players in uh, uh, men's tennis. And it was, it was an opportunity to hear coaches talking to players and players talking to coaches during changeovers during a match, something you never got to hear. Now that tournament may not get the eyes and the exposure that say Wimbledon or the U S open would get, but it was something that they were doing differently to make the sport more entertaining to a younger generation. They even changed some of the rules and they had a few things that were different. That was one of them. I think anytime you can do something like that to give the viewer at home an idea of what it's really like to be there, um, I think you, you, you try and do it. And you know, with no fans in the crowd, this might be an opportunity to you know, bring some cameras in super low and get a really different angle of what it's like with a guy standing at third or a guy standing at first who's trying to steal or something like that. Or, you know, in hockey, there's different ways that you can incorporate different things too. Um, I think it's harder to mic players in some sports and you're not going to get as much from others. But I certainly think that, you know, any different camera angles, any time you can do anything differently to, 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 you know, just let the players talk like they would normally almost forget that the microphone's on, keep it on the whole game. So they know it's going to be on the whole game uh, as opposed to editing stuff like they usually do. Uh, and that's what made the Mickelson and Brady and uh, Woods and Peyton Manning thing work so well is that the microphones were on the entire time. Like they weren't, you know, I tiger, I think turned it off a couple of times to whisper a couple jokes or something. Uh, they knew how to do it, but for the most part, it was on the entire time. They could hear the broadcasters talking when, you know, Brooks Kepka was calling in or uh, when JJ Watt was calling in, the players could hear those athletes and they could interact. So anytime you could do something like that, I think is great. But the only problem is, you know, that was a charity event, raising money for charity. It, it meant something, but it didn't mean something. Whereas how are you going to get, you know, you're going to get all these players to come back, self-isolate for two, two weeks, have a three-week training camp, just like in hockey, play a best of five series, and then you're going to ask, you know, Austin Matthews, hey, can you throw a mic on? And we're going to leave it on the whole time. <laughs> it's just not going to work. So um, I just, I, as much I, as we – But I think, that's a, I think that's a cheap thrill. Yeah. I, I, I think the onus is on the sports, the leagues, the owners, the teams, and the networks to actually use this as an opportunity to think outside the box. You're saying, are you saying to mandate it though? Saying like, we're going to do this and you have to do this. Is that, that kind of how you're saying? Yeah. I think they need to think outside the box and I yeah. think they need to take a look at their business and say, this is a unique time where we're shut down. Mm -hmm. They, they all 
all the leagues in their off seasons will talk about rule changes and they'll implement them in a minor league of some sort to see how they work in Tesla. Nobody ever does that to the best of my knowledge with innovation around fan experience, either in stadium, in arena, or for the home audience. You know, you know, baseball famously added the AWS information. So you can see the spat, the bat, the speed of the ball off the bat, you know, how far did it really go if the fence wasn't there? Um, that's all, all great. But like, when was the last time somebody tried something in stadium or in arena that was totally unique that had never been thought of before? That isn't a gimmick. Like, I don't have the answer, but they should figure out a way uh, to do unique things to enhance fan engagement. If you, if you look at the movie business, uh, people st are not loving going to movies anymore because the experience at home is so good. So one of the experiences has been, let's put in the equivalent of a first class seat. We'll give people blankets. We'll throw in booze and, and high quality food to enhance the experience. Like you're laughing and, and, and nodding, but the reality is, Someone took a look and said, okay, how do we get bang for the buck? So if I'm paying 200 bucks or 150 bucks to go watch the team, what can I do to enhance the experience? And how can I try that even though there's no fans there? How can I think about it during this downtime so that when things do come back, people are actually wowed and, and it shows a higher level of engagement and ingenuity using technology and, and, and thinking outside the box to make the in a stadium experience as good as the home experience. Well, I, I definitely agree that I think that the in-game experience, you know, basketball does a nice job with their in-game stuff. I think that they, they keep the fans entertained during the in-between whistles. Yeah, blasting and, music and throwing t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. But Gone. that generally, generally, like, people are, like, getting into the music. And, you know, you go to a baseball game, it is flat. Like, right. baseball games, for the most part, are flat. Um, and that's not knocking the in-house people who do it. Like they're told, here's what we want to do. And we'll do a contest. We'll spin some hats around, find the ball that's underneath it, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you're right. Like in terms of getting people to sporting events and the cost of money, like I think one of the biggest things that people are going to, uh, or sports are going to find out very quickly. And I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure um, you're going to see a lot less people going to live sporting events after this pandemic is over because, you know, as we've talked about, you know, finances and people not working and some working, people are either working uh, and they're, 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 they're working their normal job like they are. Um, people are taking pay cuts. People are having to be reassigned. They're getting new jobs. There's not as much extra money floating around as there used to be during the pandemic, pre-pandemic, just because people are nervous. People are worried about, you know, there, there are people who are obviously working full time and they've still got their jobs and they still spend money. But I think there's less free money for people to spend to go to sporting events, to go to restaurants and that sort of thing. And I think with the experience at home being so good that you can watch on 4K TVs, you can buy TVs relatively cheap, not all cheap, but relatively reasonably priced, good sound systems, um, you can pretty much watch any game, any sport, any event on TV. It's not like 25 years ago where you could only see your team play 50 games out of 80. You can watch every game. If you're a Florida Panthers fan, you can watch every game on TV if you want. Um, I think that the lure for people to stay home, save money, spend less, be safe, um, be safe uh, is, is huge. 
when sports does come back to normal. Now, yeah, you if you want to take your kids to a game and spend five hundred bucks, and you can afford that to go to one game, then that's that's fine. But there's one there's one huge but that you've forgotten. Yeah, um, and that is that a good chunk of the seats and almost all of the good seats are owned by corporations. Very true, very true. But I'm I'm saying I'm talking about from the from the average. I mean, look, corporations. Even when we talk about corporations. Uh, there's going to be a lot of companies that aren't making the money that they used to be making too. Yeah. So you got to wonder where they're going to be yeah, putting yeah. their dough into. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to give up their, you know, third row seats at a Leafs game, um, but they're going to be, they're, they're going to be other companies who have season tickets for 20 years who, you know, seen their businesses go down, whether it's hotel chains or whether it's Air Canada or whether it's whoever um, they're going to, they're not going to have as much money to spend on corporate stuff and they're going to have to figure out, where they're going to spend their money and how they're going to promote themselves and what makes the most sense for them too. Uh, I'm looking at it more from the, the, the fan perspective of the, the you and I who take their kids who sit higher, lower level, first few rows of yep. or upper level, whatever. Um, are you going to take your two kids to a game, spend $300, uh, goodbye program, all that crappy food, parking for 25 or are you going to sit at home, order in a pizza, drink six beers for the price of one <laughs> on your couch uh, and watch a game? And I, and I think that if you can make the, the experience for fans at home good, then that's going to lure people at home. But I certainly think that at arenas and stadiums, they're going to have to do something to, to get people to feel like, hey, I really want to spend that money and I'm going to get my money's worth to go. Uh, it's fine if you want to go once in a while, I'm sure, but you, if you want people to return three, four times a year, um, and especially in markets, you know, like Seattle and Toronto, where there's multiple teams, there's multiple events. Um, it's not just the big four sports. It's, you know, there's the IndyCar races, there's golf tournaments in Toronto, there's all kinds of other stuff. So you got to figure out where people are going to spend their money. So you got to give people a reason to go to live sports again. They're going to have to really build that up. Well, this is, uh, this has been awesome. As I said, like the intent here is we, we at Toronto sports media take a lot of pride in, in trying to be cognizant of those, as I said, affected usually by layoffs. Uh, this is not the case right now. At least not, not with you. Um, we all, we, as I said, we all believe that most of the broadcasters are doing a really good job taking care of their people. The challenge is that on both sides of the pond across Europe, through Asia, Australia, and here in North America, there are a ton of folks who rely on the business for a steady paycheck, even though they're not full-time employees and not hired, they're called freelancers. Uh, we are, we, we utilize, we are the, we, we benefit from their work every day, whether we know it or not, they are the under, underappreciated. And uh, all I can say is thank you for spending some time with us. We hope, I hope that uh, you have hope and although things may not come perfectly, they are going to come back. I think the one benefit, whether it's right or wrong in these leagues being hell-bent to come back, is it should, put a, it should benefit folks like yourself who really are in need of the work, uh, not just for the money, but emotionally and intellectually to keep busy is really important. And uh, we're thinking of you and keep doing what you're doing. And uh, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, you know, I really want to see sports come back because like you said, it's not necessarily just about the money, but it's, you know, it's something in my case, I've been doing it for 20 years. 
and uh, been doing it, you know, week after week for the most part, uh, you know, covering Olympics and covering all different sports in different countries. And uh, it's, it's certainly strange not having it and you miss it and you realize when you're not doing it, how much you do actually miss it and how much you do uh, not just the miss the work, but you miss the interaction with your colleagues. And there's a lot of great people, as you know, who work in this business, who you become friends with, uh, you know, people over the years that I you hardly knew who I became friends with, people who I've known for 20 years. Uh, it's a tight-knit community, even though there's a lot of networks, a lot of stations. Uh, everybody gets to know everybody, and you wish the best for everybody. And the one thing that's good about it is that people are always looking out for everybody. And I think a lot of the freelancers are looking out for other freelancers. And, you know, if, he, if people have already come to me and said, hey, if I hear anything, and I've said the same thing, if I hear anything and somebody needs a camera or somebody needs a producer on a particular sport, uh, I think everybody's kind of really rallied together in this, uh, uh, from this, uh, you know, this pandemic, which hopefully will uh, resolve itself sooner rather than later. So, uh, I think it's I think it's great that uh, you're having this platform and allowing people to sort of talk about what's been going on with them. And uh, I think you know eventually uh, this will be over and people will get back to normalcy. And uh, it'll I think it'll help people sort of stick up for each other a little, little bit even more. Is that you know realizing what people have gone through during this and how some people have really struggled and some people uh, perhaps haven't. But uh, you know it's good to touch base with everybody and be in touch with everybody and. Uh, and look out for everybody because I think no matter who you work for, whatever network it is, uh, I think everybody wants to see people in the industry working, whether you're freelance or full-time or part-time, everybody uh, needs to work and uh, I think everybody will look after each other. So it's, uh, it's good. So I appreciate the platform to, uh, to talk about this. Yeah, listen, the, uh, the number one sign that somebody's good at what they do is that they're busy. And looking at your resume and looking at your website and following you on social media, uh, it would be very difficult to reach you during normal times right now. So that tells me that you do really good work. Even though most of us may never see you or hear you, uh, you are busy behind the scenes. And, and, and that work is as critical as the folks in front of the microphone and the people on the ice court or field. Uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, anyone else who's out there who's been affected this way, I would love to talk. We'd love to speak to you, learn a little bit about what you do in the field and uh, how this shutdown is hurting you. As I said, we try and cover all aspects of, of current events in sports media, and we will see you next time on Believe in the Press Row. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024.